0: Download Adam Sank's last comedy album on Amazon, iTunes, or Google Play. We're already in the shower together. The risk has been taken. If I don't blow you, the risk will have been for nothing.
1: you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material.
0: Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> <laughs> JB, you
2: Let start us. sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will
0: not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. I hope my mother's
3: listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good.
2: (laughs) He asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and
0: rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I
1: like where you're going with
0: this. Um, For some reason... The word strap on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah,
2: you said come and strap on at the same time. I do.
0: And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks.
2: I think your butt is telling you, no moss, por favor. <laughs> this is The Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand,
0: I'm gonna suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now. The
1: one,
4: the only, Adam Sank! Bottom. Hello, Hoochies, and welcome to The Adam Sank Show. We are not live, but this is a brand new episode if you're listening at 11 a.m. Eastern time on Saturday, January 18th, 2020. (laughs) That was an error. Uh, At dnrstudios.com, the only place you can hear this podcast throughout the week that it first airs. If you listen elsewhere, leave us your ratings and reviews on whichever audio platform you use. Email me, me, at AdamSank at Adamsank.com. no. Adam at AdamSank.com. What did I
0: just say? AdamSank at AdamSank.com.
4: Okay. I don't know who that voice is that just interrupted me, Adam Sank's uh, introduction, but I'm, I'm going to continue. Thank you so much. Like our Facebook page, and for God's sake, download my two comedy albums. They're available on every audio platform you can think of. Come see me, me, at Live in Oakland, California. I'll be the celebrity MC of the Elder Pride 2020 Gala, because I am... That old. February 13th through the 16th, visit Elder Pride 2020 Facebook page for more information and tickets. Today, we will have Dev Cooney, a queer activist with the Born Perfect campaign to end conversion therapy. Dev gave a very inspiring TEDx talk this past November, and we'll be talking to them about it in the last hour. And now, I have to introduce my stunning, funny, charming, interesting, wonderful co-host the frost pig
0: hi i'm ryan frostig hello <laughs> we did a little switch switcheroo for you guys Giroux. ryan that was a beautiful dramatic reading thank you i was gonna had do... to get the email address correct next time <laughs> next time
4: i was gonna do um um but this is a brand new episode if you're listening do you remember what that's called? <laughs> yeah <laughs> mr president I don't know, listen.
0: By the way, Marianne Williamson is officially out of the presidential race. I'm, I grow by. I'm devastated. Um, listen, Ryan, I wanted you to do that intro because this is the last time you'll be co-hosting with us for an entire month.
3: I whoa, know. whoa, whoa, whoa. What the fuck?
0: So why don't you <sighs> tell our listeners what is possibly more important to you, you shady than yeah. they are? You what the fuck's more important to you than us? I am going on vacation because
4: I work very hard and I'm very (laughs) tired and I want to enjoy some sunshine and some alcohol and some good sex. Where are you going? I'm going to Tulum in Mexico.
3: There's sunshine alcohol here. Where are you going to find sunshine alcohol? No, 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 no. no. I'm trying to go to
4: a place with a swim up bar in a pool where I can just like paddle on up and get my little pina colada and suck my boyfriend's dick at the pool in front of the children.
3: Not in front of the children. This in front why, of the children. This is why the white people hate the gays. Because people like you. But anyway. Like children. But
0: you're not going for a whole month. You're, you're gonna miss two consecutive. Oh, uh, why am I missing the other recordings? One? Oh,
4: because of rehearsal. Rehearsal. Yeah. I'm booked and blessed. What can I say?
0: Well, so we are gonna have to make do. We have some fabulous guest hosts coming up. Yes. Uh One of whom is brand new to the ass, but a good friend of ours and a huge fan of the podcast. Yes. Steve Cesaro will be Hi, uh, co-hosting next week. Violin... He's very excited. Actually, no, I'm sorry. He'll be co-hosting uh, in three weeks. Next week and the week after will be Simon Mathis, our, yeah. our British announcer who we've had co-host before. So, yes, yes, yes.
4: Well, I'll miss you all. But I'm going to miss you
0: terribly. Tanning and living <gasps> my it's been a life. a long time since you've missed one.
4: Yes, yeah, since you quit your job. No, Simon, um, there was something that uh, came up a couple months ago. I can't
0: just remember. F- just briefly. In any case. Um, remember okay. when I wasn't here for so long? Like- for so long. It was like you were off the show. Yeah. I'm glad those Umberic. days are over. Well, we'll miss you. I I have a question for you guys and for the listeners. So when I um, post this podcast, the free version that goes out to all the cheapskates who do not subscribe to dnrstudios.com, I send it out to multiple platforms at once. It's automated. So it goes to uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, it goes to Podomatic, um, Spotify, whatever your audio platform is. And one of the channels it goes to is YouTube. So there's these hour-long YouTube videos that pop up every week on my YouTube channel that just, it's a still photo of our graphic Mm -hmm. and the audio from the show. Each one gets an average of, I want to say, five views. Oh, my God. Now, occasionally, like the one with Bianca Del Rio got like a couple hundred views, which is no big surprise. But I'm wondering, should I just discontinue that channel and delete all of those because I hate taking up all this space on my – if people want to actually watch one of my YouTube videos, right. they have to scroll through like a hundred of these to get to like an actual stand-up video. A hundred and twenty-two episodes. You wait, well, they're not all online, <laughs> but, but most of them are.
4: I think – first of all, I did not know that you did that. Or maybe I did and I forgot. How would you know? Yeah. But I think you You know, – we've talked recently about how busy you are. And I think that one less thing. I mean, does it take a lot of... It doesn't
0: take any time. It's automated. I just, I don't like the way it looks. I don't like that when you go to Adam Sank's YouTube channel, you have a hundred hours of no video. I think you should delete it.
4: I also think that maybe one day we could um, set up like a, a camera and maybe we could do like a, like a video. Right. If, if we
0: ever do video component that to be it, cool. then I would absolutely want to YouTube that Facebook live it, it yeah. et cetera. But I think I'm going to get rid of this. If you're That'd a listener so and you actually um, listen, listen to the podcast <laughs> via YouTube. It's, it's, I don't know why anyone would, I don't then reach we out to me
3: anything on youtube that's not visual well se.
0: there's a lot of these kinds of things where you can just listen and mm-hmm. there's like a lot of music it's yeah. just a still photo okay, of music. yeah but
3: that's that's music that's different from like listening to a podcast like, I, I wouldn't listen to a podcast on youtube that's not where i would go well,
0: especially me because when i when i listen on my phone if i'm watching youtube on my phone and yeah. then i like don't you, pay attention to the phone for a few seconds it goes away
4: right and then it stops
0: so all right i think i have my answer um uh Ryan mentioned that Dev Cuny is our guest today. I'm excited to talk to them. They go by they, them, theirs pronouns. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are going to start with a story. This is actually from a good month ago when the Golden Globes happened. But uh, I wanted to give it some time because I was really moved. Uh, in general, this year, I thought the Globes were kind of meh. Yeah, I- I'm glad that um, What's-His-Face is leaving Ricky Gervais. Ugh. I like Ricky Gervais's comedy. I think he's funny, but he's so like angry and yeah. negative, And it's kind of makes for a bummer of an award show. If yeah. you, if you hate these awards so much, then don't be the host. Right. Like let's find someone who's actually excited to be there.
4: And I think we need like more optimism. We and... need more upbeat. Yeah.
0: Anyway, but Kate McKinnon, who would um, be a great host, who would be, I, now there's a lot of talk about that. Yeah. She delivered the introduction for Ellen DeGeneres, who was honored with the Carol Burnett award. Mm-hmm. And, it was not only a, a funny and moving speech, but it was the first time that I know of that Kate McKinnon actually came out. Yeah. Now, most people who care about Kate McKinnon know that she's gay, that she was on Logo's Big Gay Sketch Show a right. million years ago. But that show wasn't widely uh seen or heard of for, by most of the public, she she doesn't give a lot of interviews where she talks about being gay. She plays a lot of lesbians on SNL, right. but she's kind of gay in the way that Lily Tomlin is gay. Like, mm-hmm. you know it, but you don't care and you don't talk about it. She made a point of talking about it in her speech to Ellen. Take a listen to this. In, uh, in
1: 1997, when Ellen's sitcom was at the height of its popularity, I was in my mother's basement lifting weights in front of the mirror and thinking, am I? Gay <laughs> and I was and I still am. And but that's a that's a very scary thing to suddenly know about yourself. It's sort of like doing twenty three and me and discovering that you have alien DNA. And the only thing that made it less scary was seeing Ellen on TV. She risked her entire life and her entire career in order to tell the truth, and she suffered greatly for it. Of course, attitudes change, but only because brave people like Ellen jump into the fire to make them change. And if I hadn't seen her on TV, I would have thought, I could never be on TV. They don't let LGBTQ people on TV. And more than that, I would have gone on thinking that I was an alien and that I maybe didn't even have a right to be here. So thank you, Ellen, for giving me... A
3: shot. It's really amazing. Oh my gosh, she was gonna make Ellen cry, uh, and I would have cried. She
0: did. She cried, and Ellen cried. I think Carol Burnett teared up a little bit. Sure. It was really powerful, and um, she is the most talented person. I mean, you watch Saturday oh Night God. Live; there is no cast member that compares to her. No, she is a chameleon. Like it is brilliant. She's amazing.
4: It is crazy. I mean, not only is she like. So smart and so funny, but it's just like whenever you see her in any role, like she, she goes from Hillary Clinton to Elizabeth Warren to um, Greta. Kelly,
0: Kellyanne Conway. To Kellyanne
4: Conway. She, she can be anyone.
0: And she commits 100%. You never see her looking at the cue card. She never, never misses a line, never misses a word, never stumbles. She's just so present. She's and, a
3: professional. Okay. Yes.
0: And I saw her in Bombshell, the movie mm. about, about uh, Megyn Kelly. And How she, was that? it's a terrific movie as someone who worked for Fox news and who just has followed everything that's gone on there forever. I I found it difficult that they made Megan Kelly's character to be kind of a hero and kind Mm. of sympathetic when actually she's garbage. Mm -hmm. Um, But that notwithstanding, it's a brilliant movie and Kate McKinnon plays a serious role and she's excellent in it. Yeah, she's really. an amazing actress. And she plays a lesbian.
3: Yeah. I've heard the opposite reviews, mostly from sexual assault victims who find this movie very triggering and it bothers their spirits more on a this, people are making this okay, that's happening type of thing and not that we're doing something about it.
0: Well, I can see where it's triggering, but I definitely don't think it's about it in any way makes sexual assault seem okay. If anything, it makes it seem horrifying. I mean, the Roger Ailes character is a monster. Yeah. Um, well, but anyway, yeah. so good for Kate McKinnon. It was awesome. And, you know, there's some arguments going on now. Like, did she come out? Did she not come out? Was she already out? As I said, I, I think she was out, but she, she never made a point of talking about it. And to stand at a major award ceremony, which is viewed across the world yeah. by many millions of people, and say the words, I'm gay, and actually talk about what that was like coming out. She, um, has a lot of power yeah she um
4: she used to date um marla Mendel, who is a broadway actress hmm. and um they were on the red carpet for an emmys a couple years ago so she's been like
0: public she wasn't hiding it no she wasn't hiding it in other news marvel has confirmed that a trans character is coming to the marvel universe so cool uh there's very little information about this um The director, I want to say Paul? No, Kevin Feig is Marvel's chief creative officer. He did not specify whether or not Marvel would cast a trans actor to play the role. We certainly hope that they do. Um, Scarlett Johansson. (laughs) It'll be Scarlett Johansson. If they did, the actor would be the second openly trans actor to appear in a Marvel 29, in a Marvel film. In 2019, Zach Barack, not Zach Braff, Zach Barack appeared. In Spider-Man: Far From Home, um, but this is exciting. He said, "Are there any?" Or the he was actually at some kind of event, and he was asked, "Are there any current plans on bringing more LGBTQ characters into the Marvel universe, specifically the T trans characters?" He said, "Yes, absolutely, yes, and very soon in a movie that we're shooting right now." Okay,
3: so as a comic book nerd, I have to put a stop to all the fuckery. There are the in. They all, in the universe. They already released lots of bisexual and transgender characters. Loki and Deadpool. Deadpool is a pansexual. He fucks anyone and willing to. And Loki considers himself a transgender character. But, it but hurts this is my feelings. I'm sorry.
0: This is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, so they haven't hurts, been in films yet.
3: That's why it hurts my feelings. Because like these these characters I read grow, growing up in comic books, and then when you put them in the movies, it's just like, oh, we are buffed out straight people and that's what we care about that's not that's not who the character was right
0: i mean the movies were always being made for the lowest common denominator and the widest appeal but this is progress side note yes um, the first trans person i ever knew um
4: was named loki i mean that was their chosen name interesting yeah um and i didn't realize that was a, a comic book thing
0: um, JB, we're going to be talking about this next story probably for the next five minutes, so you can probably get our guest on the phone in the meantime. Um, this is from the Washington Post. Here we go. And I didn't expect it from the Post. It's, it's not like their normal uh, feature stories. The headline is, people are seeing cats while high out of their minds. These are their stories. <laughs> dun, dun. So apparently, Cats, the movie, which universally panned, everyone thinks it's garbage, even people who love the musical... Um, Ryan tried to get me to see it, and I absolutely refused. Well, I did try to get you to
4: see it, but I
0: made the decision
4: that I will not be supporting that film. I well, self-care.
0: Well, in the way that, um, in the way that Showgirls and uh, other terrible movies before it um, have become cult films, Cats is now becoming a cult film that's so bad that people are going uh, intentionally to, to hate on it, and a lot of them are going stoned. Hundreds of people told the Washington Post their stories about seeing cats while high, some on marijuana, others on uh, mushrooms, LSD, and other mind-altering substances. Here are some of the reviews. The most incredible cinematic experience of my life. The most terrifying experience of my life. I swear to God, my soul escaped me. (laughs) Let
4: me read some. Let me see. Tried both times, planning on going two more times. Vomited four times, but ultimately understood the film on a deep level. <laughs> Had a panic attack in the middle of it, right after Taylor Swift sang McCavity. When Judy Dench turned and looked me directly in the eyes to let me know that a cat is not a dog, I was terrified. <laughs> wow. I also heard something about um, Jennifer Hudson
0: in memory. She has like uh, CGI snot. Yes, there's a lot of snot apparently in her. They they said she she subscribes to the Viola Davis school of acting in this movie. You know how Viola Davis in every movie always a- always cries and her nose always runs. Yeah, um, listen to this. <clears throat> Annalise Nielsen, who owns a cannabis brand in L.A., used a strain of weed calibrated for relaxation but found herself unable to relax in a dark theater illuminated by the ghastly cat face of James Corden. She wrote, I'm 36 and I'm scared. She said this to her fellow moviegoers several times. Uh, She called the film a special kind of evil. All right, JB, we can turn off the meowing now. Charlotte Clymer, who's been on the show before... A, an LGBTQ activist in DC ate THC infused gummy candies before her screening and also found the movie terrifying. She told the post, quote, three quarters of the way through the movie, I was like, I hope I don't hate my own cats when I get home.
3: Okay, now I, I feel I feel away because we should be altering altering your vision like that, where cats seem we're like, there has to be something else mixed with that. Like, but I I smoke constantly. I watch so much Best, But have stuff. you seen Cats? I've, I've watched animes where it's blood and gore and it's really dark and creepy. I'm sitting in my seat perfectly fine.
0: Well, I think you, you're high so much of the time that it's like your normal state. Maybe these are people who don't smoke as much as you. Probably. But apparently this movie is very disturbing. Now, Ryan, this next part, a lot of people thought this was about you. I know. In New York, a 26-year-old man named Ryan messaged the post while still high on the edibles that he had taken for the evening screening. And he expressed his lust for a particular cat that quote, I would love to do bad. I would love to do bad things to me. Jason Dorello. No, he was referring to Robbie Fairchild, a chiseled ballet dancer mm. who plays monk monk Yes. Monk But I just want to say for the record, Ryan is not 26. No. And he What's has not that? seen the movie, but it does sound like you. It does. <laughs> well, Cats was a part of my sexual
4: awakening, for sure. I mean, there was something super erotic about um, the Rum Tum
0: Tugger. I mean, (laughs) really, and... That's also your grinder name. (laughs) I do love a tug. Finally, in Los Angeles, a 23-year-old actor named Davis, who went to the movie with some friends, took a huge hit of poppers at a key moment. He said, quote, It was literally as Jennifer Hudson screams out, Touch me! It's so easy to leave me! Uh, that the poppers for all three of us kicked in, he says. I felt myself hit the heavy side layer like Grizabella the glamour cat. Yes. What's funny about that quote is that I've heard there's there's an urban legend that I've heard that when the original Dreamgirls was on Broadway
2: mm-hmm.
0: with Jennifer Holliday, a lot of black gay men would bring poppers to the show, mm-hmm. and when she sang. And I am telling you that mm-hmm. I'm not going. They would all hit their poppers because That's it was amazing. such a, a, an amazing high for them to watch her perform that wow. song. I, I don't know if it's true, but I've
4: heard it. Can I just say one thing, please? I know everyone hates cats. It's very special to me, and I will um, cherish it in the way that I want to celebrate and remember it. Well, yeah. I think that they should have d- like used cat, like real, cat, like CGI cats, like in the way that they did for The Lion King, not people cats.
0: No. Well, this sounded like it was like half CGI, half human. And that's what freaked everybody out. Plus, the proportions were all out of whack. Obviously. Some cats were tiny. Some were giant. Right. Obviously,
4: in a stage production, you're going to they're going to be humans dressed up and made up to look like cats. But when you have the technology to make like what appears to be real cats sing and dance. Like that would have been way more interesting and way more exciting than seeing these. Cre- I, I believe that it is disturbing. And well, I- they
0: also apparently rushed this to the screen so fast that they fucked up and yep. showed Judy Dench's human hand instead of a cat paw yeah. in one scene. In any case, I'm not seeing it stoned or otherwise. Um, We are going to do a guest segment now that I'm very much looking forward to. And then after that, we're going to go back to some other silly news. But our guest today is a storyteller, activist, restorative justice practitioner, consultant, and writer. They're also the spokesperson for the Born Perfect campaign to end conversion therapy. This past November, they gave a profoundly moving TEDx talk in which they described their experience coming out to their parents. Take a listen to Dev Cuny delivering some of that talk. You don't have the soundbite, JB?
3: In
0: three, two, one, hit it.
2: A person who was actively involved in the ex gay movement. What made her finally change? She said we had gone into a fight in the kitchen, and I yelled, Think about it, mom. You know me. I have never been the type to not want to belong, to be a rebel. Why would I ever choose this much pain? And because mom's faith expands well beyond the church walls, she was able to see how conversion therapy was not a reflection of her understanding of the love of Christ. Amazing grace.
0: And joining us now all the way from Oakland, California, where I will be in a couple of weeks, is Dev Cuny. Hi. Dev, welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me
1: on.
0: Sorry we had a little bit of trouble with the uh, audio there, but you were uh, talking in that audio about sort of this this moment of clarity that your mother had in, in your coming out process.
2: Yes. Yeah, it was a big a big shift from where we had started um I always say, like, I know that pigs have flown because my parents took an extremely different turn than I ever thought that they would be able to um, in my lifetime, and I'm super, super fortunate they have.
0: Absolutely. You you identify as non-binary, correct?
2: Yes, yes, I do.
0: So, when you came out to your parents, were you coming out in terms of your gender or your sexual orientation or both? It's
2: Uh, That's a complicated uh, question to ask because from, you know, from the start, my mom would say she knew that something was different about me, even out of the womb. And so, you know, while I'll talk about like conversion therapy in terms of sexual orientation, the reality is, is most of conversion therapy is trying to change someone's gender identity, too. Um, so if you can be more feminine as a quote unquote woman, then you will start liking men again. And if men can be more masculine, you know how that goes. And so, um, while we talked about it, about me being gay, it was absolutely also about my gender, not being acceptable and them trying to change the way I am.
0: Which do you think was more difficult for them? Or do you think they couldn't even separate in their mind the gender from the, from the orientation?
2: I I don't know if they could fully separate it out. I believe that gender is even more uh of a bigger issue at least from my church background because you know everything that we were taught is there were certain rules based on the Bible um that you have to be in order to be good Christians. And so I don't think they could understand how I could be <laughs> my eclectic self and that at its root that if they could just fix that everything would be fixed. So it's it's so, yeah, long story short, I definitely think they struggle to separate it out. But I do think gender is in some ways the bigger issue.
0: In your talk, um, and this is sort of the funny part of your talk, you you uh, you describe being uh, one of the world's youngest Elvis impersonators when you were a child.
2: <laughs> yes, um, that is every bit of that is legit. I from a, a young age. I, You know, while my sister was dressing up in my mom's clothes, I was getting in trouble for dressing up in my dad's clothes. And, you know, my, my grandma actually had acquired a group of these um, bootleg Elvis Presley tapes that she gave to me, and I was just taken by him. And, you know, started, like, being in the mirror, like, learning how to shake my pelvis, slicking my hair back, you know. And I look back, and I'm like, the way that he liked to flirt with women, I mean, I totally was shaped by him for good or for worse about, you know, cause I'm also Southern and I also identified in all these ways. So yeah, I mean, I would do performances in the living room. I remember performing Elvis at the local pool and standing on the diving board dressed up and, and lip singing. And at that moment, even though people saw me as a woman, it was something that was entertaining for people.
0: And you describe in the talk, this, this, this night where in which your parents brought you into a room in the dark, they, they didn't turn on the lights and they basically confronted you about, uh, being queer. Was it because of the Elvis stuff? Was it, what was it that tipped them off?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the gender stuff has always been a part of our fights and arguments as a kid. So I think them having that part of me already so present on top of it, they saw that I became very, very closed off and, um, they knew, that I was asking a lot more questions about um, "quote unquote" homosexuality within the context of the Bible, and so they actually um, got a hold of like some of my journal, and and uh, figured out that something wasn't adding up for them, and so they decided just to ask. I knew that they already probably knew, um, and so at that moment when they asked, I, I said yes.
0: Wow! And then what happened next was horrifying.
2: Yeah. I mean, they did what you would expect them to do. You know, I was raised in a fundamentalist charismatic, i say charismatic flavor household, you know, like speaking in tongues. I always joke about, you know, swinging off the chandeliers and frying like ba- bacon on the ground. And, uh, so they went to their minister who was like, you know, there's a way to help, you know, their kid, which is to do conversion therapy. And so, basically they were like, to love your child is to go through this process. And so my parents first became involved with um, Exodus International, which was the big umbrella organization for ex-gay ministries, or I don't like using ministries, movement. Um, And then through their own participation drew me into the process. Um, And yeah, it was uh, scary as all get out. And um, it's hard to explain to people that they actually thought this was love um, when it was actually abuse. Boom.
0: How old were you when that started, when the conversion therapy started?
2: That's always, that's always a hard one to answer for me because they started getting involved when I was around, I think, 16, 17 years old. And so all of that messaging became a part of my life very much in high school. And there was a point where, um, they thought they were taking me to a therapist in high school that they thought would help me get out of my sexuality and gender identity. But what they didn't realize was that the therapist was not a conversion therapist. Thank God. So, so yeah, I actually, it, it is, it's like one of the key things that I think, uh, is the difference between me not having committed suicide and, and, uh, is because I had a couple of adults really come and save me. And so, like, that therapist, my parents just realized this, like, maybe five or ten years ago, I don't remember, um, that I would spend time in a the therapy office um, with her helping me try to just make it through and looking at colleges that maybe I could go to. So we weren't doing anything of the sort of trying to take me out of conversion therapy. But, um, yeah, and so it started in high school, the attempts and a lot of the messaging and being uh, introduced to the literature. And then it was, it continued into college when I went to some events. And then, um, people with the next gay movement started, like, tracking me down at my college, calling me on the phone. I was getting stuff in the mail. And then finally, I chose to go into a whole process around what they would call a deliverance, or some people would know as an exorcism. And, um, as, like, uh, in an attempt to actually get it out of me, this demon of perversion, as they would call it. And um, I don't know if you want to talk, me to talk about that, but I, yeah, can, you know, I mean that's kind of the entrance.
0: It, it, without wanting to re-traumatize you, I, I, I'd, I'd yeah. love to hear about what some of those experiences entailed.
2: Yeah, I mean, everything at its root around the ex-gay, like, you know, what I call spiritual abuse is any kind of way to, um, again, fix your gender identity or fix, you know, this Um, this demon to get it out. And so there's, there's a wealth of different practices that happen under conversion therapy. And I've, I've always said I've dabbled with a bunch of them, (laughs) but like um, with the actual uh, deliverance exorcism, it's actually a belief that you have to remove this demon. And so like the part that finally revealed to be fake to me, because I really actually believed in all of this up until this point. And you were, Uh, you were a
0: person of deep faith yourself.
2: Exactly. And I still am. It's just different. But it's like, then I, I tried to explain to people like, you don't understand. I came out while I was homophobic. Like, I still hated gay people. I just didn't know what I was going to do because it was so clear that I was queer. And so I just started hating myself. And so when people were presenting me with an option to, to fix this, you know, the idea of getting to have my church back. That my parents would love me you know in the way that I need to be loved, like why wouldn't I want to be straight? so you were starting and to so, say the
0: moment that you realized this was this was phony was what
2: Oh, when <laughs> this is my favorite part um, you know, I'd gone through like six and a half hours of this really abusive um practice, and then suddenly. I had said, I'm having a vision of a wedding, and they were like, oh, my God, hallelujah, praise the Lord, because they thought I was talking about with a man. Mm-hmm. But really, I was having a vision of the person who I ended up being together with for almost 13 years <laughs> of being married to her. And so I when they started rejoicing, I was like, this doesn't make sense. And so I stopped the process, and I was like, I've got some questions. And they're like, okay. And I was like, so if you get this demon out of me, does that mean I am no longer gay? And they're like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, so that means I will no longer like women. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it may, it may take a little bit of time. And I was like, what well, does that mean? I'll start liking men. And they're like, well, yeah. The hope is that that will happen. I'm like, wait a minute. So there's no guaranteed. And then they come up with this like crazy, like wild argument that I will always have some sort of connection to the demon, which is Gadar. And that I will continue throughout my life to have my demon identify the gay demon and someone else. And I will feel maybe an attraction or an identity because of gaydar. So they actually thought gaydar were demons looking at each other. I and love so that. And so at that moment, I know. And at that moment, I'm like, you can't really argue how absurd that is. And so I was just like, whoa. I'm like, so you're not guaranteeing me that I'm going to be actually truly straight. I might still like women, I might never like men, and I will always have the demon of Gadar pretty much and so so what the hell is all this moment, for then exactly, so I stopped it at that moment, and you know i they went nuts on me, they were just so. Like, you're going to hell, you've chosen this, how dare you get out? And uh, that was the last time I did any kind of effort to become straight.
0: So I'm still trying to get an idea, though, like during those six hours that you described, what are they doing? Are they are they yelling at you? Are they restraining you? Are they touching you? Like, what what is the therapy, quote-unquote?
2: Yeah, well, it's definitely not therapy, but... Um, they did everything you described and it, it was, uh, a big part was being held down. Um, there was physical aggression throughout the whole thing. And, um, yeah, I started thinking about how much I want to share. Um, and, and, I, say, and please don't, I,
0: don't share more than you're comfortable yeah, with.
2: I think that's the best way to say it. Like, if you can think of the definition of what abuse is, it falls very much in it. Um, I didn't know it's so hard to, uh, you know, file a lawsuit against the church under because they're they like, no, these are spiritual practices. But in a different setting, I could have totally um, filed a lawsuit saying that I was physically abused by a church. So it was it was horrific.
0: I know that 18 states have now banned conversion therapy, in large part thanks to the efforts of the Born Perfect campaign and, and other advocacy groups. But that means it's still legal in 32 States. And I'm, I'm imagining that even in States where it's not no longer legal, it still goes on underground, right? I mean, who knows what oh, the hell's absolutely. going on in, in, in church basements around the country. If there's a young queer person out there listening to this podcast and they're terrified that they may have to face conversion therapy, what, what should they do?
2: Oh, great question. And I want to say you're absolutely right. Uh, conversion therapy doesn't stop (laughs) because of these laws. And so much happens in the church that is hard to legislate, you know, like to, um, uh, to try to even name. And so for the thousands of people that are currently going through this, as we speak, which is what is happening, I would say, please look up born perfect campaign to end conversion therapy and reach out to us. Even if, you know, if it's just to talk to someone to say that you're not alone Um, we do have resources, and we are there to try to help in any way. We can respect your anonymity or your need, you know, because there are people who will call who are still living within these church communities, who are going through this, who are petrified of losing everything. But the thing with conversion therapy is so many of us go through it isolated. We don't know that there are other people out there who are going through it. I'm, I'm that way. I the stuff I went through was solo. So when I actually met other people for the first time through born perfect, that went through what I went through. I was like, Oh my gosh, there's a whole world. So I would say, please reach out. Um, What's the name of the website? What's the, yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry. It's uh, a born So just born perfect. Yeah. Straight up. Mm -hmm. And I
0: recommend that everyone uh, go online and watch, Dev's uh, TEDx talk. It's really powerful, especially when you invite your parents up at the end. It's it's a really beautiful moment. And uh, I'm so glad that you came through it and that they um, found their way to a place of love and acceptance with you.
2: Thank you. No, I am too. It's uh, I speak out because I'm one of the lucky ones. Absolutely. And I want other people to have that too.
0: Well, thank you for talking to us. And thank you so much for the work that you're doing. How can people follow you online? Yeah, thank you.
2: Um, You can find me at uh, devcuny.com, which uh, my name is D-E-V, and my last name is C-U-N-Y.com, or, of course, I'm on Facebook and Instagram under devcuny.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Best wishes to you.
2: Thank you. Bye.
0: Such an important message. I'm so glad they came on to talk to us about it. Oh, Ryan, what just fell? My phone Ryan was so overwhelmed He threw his phone Across the room He's also got lady In his lap Thank you for calming my dog I don't know why She started freaking out When you went to the bathroom Because he
3: left the door open And she was curious Instead of closing The goddamn door
0: Why are you always So mean to Ryan (laughs) So mean Because (laughs) I love her Like I love my little brother I love you too Oh he sees you As a little brother But he's he's older than me
4: Yeah And I'm the little
0: one I know right On that note It's time for our (laughs) Weekly LGBTQ Pride Roundup Hit it and steal Love can take us there Ryan's making lady dance to the music Lady is dancing, yeah All our dreams can fly I always want to say all our dreams come true But it's all our dreams can fly Anyway, uh, as I mentioned last week Peace River Pride in Punta Gorda, Florida Is happening January 18th through 20th And our second Pride celebration of the year Is January 26th through February 2nd Here's a hint It's in Whistler, Canada, ladies and gentlemen. I was going to ask Ryan a, to whistle. How dare you? But he can't. Nope. Ryan can't whistle. Can you whistle, That's JB? So Can you whistle, sad. JB? There you go. Whistler is apparently uh, in British Columbia, uh, near Vancouver. I don't know that part of Canada at all. I must visit. Uh, I love Canadians. I love Canada. Happy Pride, everyone. Um, a story that went viral a few weeks ago. It's, it's actually an old story that occasionally just. Becomes viral again, mm-hmm. and I saw it posted all over the place. And it was this: that semen face masks are now becoming a thing.
3: Okay. Oh, that's what that. I've means. been doing this since high school. What you mean are now becoming a thing? We
0: same. Semen's good for the hair and keeps the face clean.
3: Oh! Like, oh, come on, guys.
0: It said this article, which was on a very dubious website, uh, says that according to well-known facial expert Chelsea. Lewis, Chelsea spelled C-H-E-L-S-E-E. Semen can offer youthful facial skin. Her clients have no issue in using sperm on their face. First of all, it's not sperm, it's semen. Um, this facialist, I didn't even know that word, claims that semen boosts the oxygen supply and blood circulation in the facial tissue, thus offering an instant glow. There's no mention here as to how you're supposed to harvest this semen. Sure. You know, you're supposed yeah. to like... Ask a bunch of guys to jerk off into a a, a, canister. Um, If if you do not have an issue with this mask, meaning you're okay with rubbing cum on your face, then rub the collected sperm onto your freshly cleaned face. Let it act for 20 minutes so it's entirely absorbed by the skin. After that period of time, wash it off by dabbing your face with cold water and wiping it with tissues. Why tissues? They're just going to stick to your wet face. Why now? Why this sperm? Exactly. Do you know where that's from no.
4: Legally Blonde.
0: Oh, well, and then I found a follow-up article with the headline: "No, a semen facial is not a good idea." Uh, according to this article, people are believe this to be true because of a Liz Fair song, which talks about this. Really? Also, the FX series Nip Tuck, which aired several years ago, there was an episode about semen facials, but um, Cosmo. Uh, has weighed the pros and cons of a, a semen facial, and um, this website asked a Beverly Hills dermatologist Dr. Will Kirby, to you know finally put this myth to rest and Dr. Kirby says this is an area of discussion that gets brought to my attention by patients in the dermatology practice with relative frequency uh, He says, while a healthy, balanced diet contains vitamins and minerals as well as protein, the potential benefits of a topical preparation, in other words, rubbing something on that has protein and vitamins in it, um, has no relationship to healthy skin. In short, there is no scientific literature to back up the idea of a semen facial. Uh, He says, and also, you can't be sure of what kind of semen you're getting. The ratio of ingredients ranges widely from man to man. And even in the same person, there can be variants from one emission to the next. You know, my sperm is vegan. I think mine probably tastes delicious compared to someone who eats nothing but meat. Well, here's what
4: I'll say on this. Oh! I like the idea of a facial, and I used to enjoy receiving and giving them. But one time, I got in some cum in my eye, and it was not cute. Yeah, if
0: you're going to give yourself a femen a facial, a semen facial stay away from your eyes. I'd rather it just go in me somewhere. Just, it's, just,
4: it's just cleaner
3: that way. Right from the way. tap. Yeah. It's, it's just, also great for the hair. So if you ever like... Really I don't think so. <laughs> I have to say... I'll bullshit. No, I, that was, look, <laughs>
0: I've never been a fan of cum. We've talked about this. Right. I don't care if a guy comes at all. I mean, I want him to be happy, but I don't need to see the cum. I don't need it yeah. on me. When I do have like dried cum on my arm or something, it's fucking impossible to get off. Oh my God. Why would you want that on your face? The, the one time, well, many
4: times, um, I was really stoned, and I jacked off, and then uh, came, and then immediately fell asleep.
0: This has happened to me.
4: And then woke up. And was like, "What's all this crusty?" Oh, oh right, I did that. Wow, you bitch, clean yourself
3: up. It doesn't dry
0: girl. in a in a clean way. No. it becomes very crumbly. Um, in, related nude, <laughs> ah, ah. in related news, I can't speak. In related news and related news, this story comes from cocktails and cock talk. We haven't done a Cocktails and Cock Talk story in a while. And now, time for another stupid story from From Cocktails cocktails. and CockTalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. In honor of 2020, Cocktails and Cock Talk has compiled uh, a list of the dicks of the decade. Uh, 20 selected nominees, and they had over 1,000 votes, which means they've got about 1,000 readers. (laughs) See. And this is their list. And I have to tell you, I don't know who most of these people are. So we're going to go through these quickly. If you know who it is, then uh, speak up. Number 20 is Chris Hughes. 19 is Sylvain Potard. Number 18 is Jeremy Meeks. I actually do know who that is. He, that's that hot felon. Remember a few years ago, there was a, um, a mugshot that oh, went viral because yeah, yeah, the yeah. guy was so hot. He had yeah. like a teardrop tattoo. Apparently, his dick is great. Josh Connor. I don't know who that is. Adam Devine. That's that that's funny. Boomer from um, uh, Pitch Perfect.
3: Oh, oh. The, he does, has his own stand-up. He's not funny.
0: Drake okay. Bell.
4: Drake Bell? Yeah, who's, oh who is that?
0: He's um, from Josh and Drake. He's, yeah, Drake and Josh. Drake and Josh. Will Young, Joaquin Ferreira, Dylan Sprouse. Oh, my God. Another
4: um, – like a uh, kid's Disney star. <laughs> Former. Former Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: Oh, my God. That's right. Dylan did release uh, a picture of his penis, and his twin was like, now everyone knows a picture
0: of my penis because of you. That was oh
3: hilarious. God, so
0: <laughs> Noah Centineo, Milan Christopher, um, ninth and 8th are tied, Michael Fassbender and Tyler Posey. Michael Fassbender uh-huh, yeah. is the actor. Yeah. Yes, Tyler Posey. He's so fine. Oh, from
3: Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf, yes. Oh, yeah, the yeah, the Really
0: the main guy. Mm, uh, just wants to see apparently, his face. he unleashed uh, a handful of jerk-off videos oh, that well, he sent to someone that got leaked.
3: Yeah, he sent to someone. She leaked it. It was
0: great. It was beautiful. Right. He has a beautiful penis. Charles Laurent, who's a French model. Orlando Bloom. Uh, is number six. He, hmm. in the infamous Katy Perry, Orlando Bloom Candids, where he's walking around naked. Oh, yes. It looked pretty big. Yes. Um, Alex Bowen, who's a Love Island star, um, had leaked hard-on pictures. Tom Daly mm-hmm. uh, had sexts that were leaked by The Sun in 2017. Brandon Myers, who's on X on the Beach, is number three. Number two is Juan Yosef. Ricky Martin's then fiance and now husband had a photo from a nude shoot emerge online in 2016. And number one, the number one dick of the decade, this is very controversial, is Justin Bieber. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Remember the hot tub Mm -hmm. uh, pictures that were leaked? Now, I printed this one out because I wanted to get your opinion. It's a very nice dick. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to know how big it could get if it were hard.
3: Let me see. It's that. super soft. It looks it sad. over here. It's
0: lovely. I mean, I, I like that it's cut. I'm also yep. on the
3: website looking at everyone's dick pic right now. So who do
0: you think should have won?
3: Okay. So I'm right I'm starting from the bottom. I'm looking at Chris Chris. He's let Let's cute. not go through all twenty. Well I i go through all twenty on a later date. That's <laughs> <laughs>
0: but I'm just looking at the hot guys. I was kind of like amazed that Jason Derulo didn't make the list. But right. remember, yeah. we don't, we've never actually seen his naked dick. Yes, For, To make this list, we have to have actually seen your dick. Also, I would have put on Paulie from MTV Real, Real World Challenge. There's been many pictures of his dick. And it's beautiful and big. And he's so fucking hot. Hmm. He's the one that's with Cara Maria. I don't understand why Adam am is on the list. Uh, I think it's Div- divine. divine. Whatever. Yeah. He was in some naked movie where there, where he's like naked on on screen for game a while. over, yeah. He's jerking off his penis. It's terrible. So,
4: well, here's to another decade of dicks.
0: I mean, every decade is the decade of dick for mm-hmm. us, really. Um, this is a quick story that is not on the run now, but I meant to do it. A homophobic WWE wrestler, it turns out, is a former gay porn star. I am not surprised. He's also racist. Uh, His name is... Oh, I have it here. It's Lars... Sullivan? Yes.
3: Lars Sullivan.
0: His real name is Dylan Miley. He's posted dozens (laughs) of racist, sexist, and homophobic remarks using two different usernames on a message board at bodybuilding.com between 2007 and 2014. Um, Some of his remarks have included things like, I don't actually have any true hateful feelings for gay people, but it's just part of my sense of humor I like to explore. Homophobia, racism, sexism, these are all hilarious things to make light of in the right environment among other straight men. Every time I hear a man say that a pussy smells like shit, I cringe because I automatically assume they're a closeted homosexual repressing their true intuitions. Um, He actually got a $100,000 fine from the WWE because of his comments. But meanwhile, you can find porn clips of him. Under the name Mitch Bennett.
3: Mitch what? Bennett. B-E-N-N-E-T-T. He was a Randy Blue porn star. Did only two scenes, apparently.
0: JB has really done his research on (sighs) this story.
3: I have. Because it only took two seconds. Like Uh, How dare you? uh,
0: How dare you say uh, terrible uh, things and do gay uh, porn? I just don't know how anyone does gay porn and thinks it's not going to come back to haunt them.
3: Yeah, like it's the it's a it's a of list off ever. I have videos of me that I'm pretty sure it's going to resurface where I get famous. I'd be like, oh no, well,
4: well. Yeah, I don't to know what <laughs> I've got a lot of content out there then. Exactly. <laughs> May it come back soon. <laughs>
0: By the way, last week we celebrated the two year anniversary of Freddie Alanis's dick disaster and I asked him if he would like send a little greeting. He just texted me. Really? It's like, just dude, now? it's over. He goes, When are you broadcasting the show? Uh, It's already happened. But it's nice to hear from you, Freddie. Thanks, Freddie. Meanwhile, in England, they're calling it the most modern family ever. A transgender man has given birth to his non-binary partner's baby using a female sperm donor. Wow. Wow. The 39-year-old started living as a man 12 years ago, but he still had maternal instincts. This is according to some London tabloid, so forgive the – some of the language is a little bit offensive. He still had maternal instincts and six years ago stopped taking testosterone in the hope of one day having a child. That dream came true when he and his partner Jay had a bouncing baby. Jay is non-binary. The sperm donor was a trans woman, and even the doctor was transgender. Wow. This is a trans family. Um, this is a whole long story that explains how We're it was done.
4: A trans family.
0: <laughs> Sing it, Ryan.
4: I got all my trans people in me.
0: There's no word on the baby's gender. But, um, yeah, I mean, th- this isn't the first time this has happened. Uh, years ago, the pregnant man yes. was on Oprah, oh, right. mm-hmm. that hot guy with a beard. You know that he eventually wound up getting a divorce oh. <clears throat> from his wife. And has became, become like a single dad. I think maybe he's remarried. Mm. This is the part of the show where I run out of saliva. I know. <coughs> Excuse me. But anyway, congratulations to them. I love that the, the doctor yeah. was trans as well. Super cool. Here's one of my favorite stories of all time. Oh, boy.
4: Oh, dear. <laughs>
0: now, this is a story that actually happened in 2013. And for reasons I don't understand, it went viral in December of 2019. So this just went viral. But here's the story. In 1982, a family named the Almeidas were living in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and they could not find their pet tortoise, whose name is Butterspoon. Oh, no, wait, I have that wrong. Forget the name. But they couldn't find their pet tortoise after construction workers worked on their home and left the front door open for too long. They searched and searched, but they couldn't find the tortoise, so they just assumed that the tortoise had escaped and they would never see it again. Well, 30 years later, in January 2013, their father, Lionel Almeida, passed away. He had kept a storage room on the second floor where he hoarded everything from old furniture to broken electronics. There was tons of clutter, so no one ever went in there. So Lionel's son, Leandro took out a box containing an old record player to the dumpster when all of a sudden a tortoise poked its head out of a hole in the box.
3: Surprise motherfucker.
0: (laughs) It was their tortoise from 30 years ago. Whose name by the way is Manuela. Oh, Manuela! So it's a she. Leandro told uh, Brazil TV. I put the box on the pavement for the rubbish men to collect. And the neighbor said, you're not throwing out the tortoise as well. Are you? I looked and saw her. At that moment, I turned white. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Manuela was re- reunited with her real owner, Lenita Almeida, who was Lionel's daughter. It had been her tortoise as a child. She was thrilled to get the sweet pet back. No one could understand how this tortoise had survived for 30 years living in a storage room without ever being seen. Tortoises can live a long time, but obviously it, it, she, Manuela would have needed to have had food and water. Uh, So people online dubbed the credibility of the story when it first broke in 2013. But in the family's defense, uh, a vet named Jefferson Pires, who lives in Rio, explained that red-footed tortoises are extremely resilient and can survive long periods without food or water. They think that it's possible Manuela had been feeding on termites that had been attracted to the decaying furniture in the room and that there was enough moisture in the room that the tortoise was just, like, you know, sucking on, on wet walls and puddles and whatnot. Work. That's,
4: yeah. That's it's, it's an amazing story. It's amazing. No, Manuela's a hero and an icon. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be living on, on the same earth as Manuela.
0: JB, what, what did Manuela say when she popped out of the box again?
4: She said, surprise,
0: motherfucker. <laughs> That's my favorite drop. <laughs>
3: Oh I also have an edited version that I did uh, more, more for... A
0: family-friendly version? <laughs> no,
3: more for cowboys. Yee-haw! Motherfucker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm going to take weird. my horse down and up down. Here's another story I've been saving since November, because I was looking for just the right time. Mm. In New Orleans, a man has been arrested after pretending to be handicapped so he could trick home <laughs> he could trick home healthcare workers into changing his diaper for sexual arousal. Wow. Oh my god. His name is Rutledge Diaz or Deus. He goes by Rory, 29 years old. He created multiple social media posts for home healthcare workers saying in these ads that um that he needed help for his 18-year-old mentally and physically handicapped brother, Corey. He would then pose as Corey and pretend to be handicapped while nurses changed his adult diaper, which police say was to obtain sexual arousal. Mm. Wow. Home, home, <laughs> home health care workers became suspicious of the scheme on at least 10 separate occasions. He was finally arrested and charged with 10 counts of sexual battery and human trafficking. I didn't know that that would be considered human trafficking.
3: How is it human trafficking? He's not moving people or selling people, unless it's himself.
0: I don't know. Also, one count of possession of a Schedule II controlled dangerous substance. They don't say what that was. The investigation remains ongoing. Meanwhile, here's a picture of him. I don't huh. know why he has a big bloody bruise on his forehead in the picture. That's Some not explained. <laughs> it looks
4: like a, like a zit gone wrong.
0: It's, he's not attractive. No. And um, the whole diaper thing, I have to say, does nothing it's for really, me.
4: Really, yeah. No, no judgment, but. I'm judging. Okay. Me too. Just
3: I, I judge. I, just, I judge. Food, I, judge so of course you I judge anything
0: yes. involving shit. I think um, you you need to seek help if you're aroused by shit. I think it's a natural human instinct to be repelled by shit. It's the filthiest substance on earth. Mm-hmm. It's an easy way to get diseases and bacteria and uh-huh. Uh-huh. all kinds of things. That's and how you get pink out. <laughs> thank you. See, Ryan? I told you that That's the other day and you didn't believe me. I don't know. So, um, the moral of the story is if you have a diaper fetish, don't trick healthcare workers into changing your diaper. They don't want to deal with you. They're just trying to do their job. Go
4: on, like we've Go said... Go on
0: diaper.com. Di- 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 <laughs> DiaperDaddy.com
4: diaperdaddy.com i
0: bet you it exists i bet you're right I go look up diaper.com diaper. and see what happens it's okay. probably a link to pampers or something
4: oh,
3: before i forget we have like four minutes left
0: i know okay <laughs> no i know we're getting pretty I, I have other stories i knew that this might happen what is what happens if okay. you go to diaper.com uh,
4: there is no diaper daddy it doesn't exist but i want to see uh diaper, diaper daddy.
0: daddy are you spelling diaper right
3: I think so. Oh, I'm still looking at all these bulges. Like, I'm looking
0: at... <laughs> J.B. stuck stuck on a story we did 20 minutes ago. Yeah,
3: because there's 20 guys with beautiful bulges. I want to see all these bulges. You know I respect a beautiful penis.
0: Sure,
4: okay. we all do. Hey, super kids. Super kids. What? Oh my, what the hell? <laughs> I literally searched diaperdaddy.com and this website for super kids... S-K-J-R-A, Super Kids Junior Academy came up.
0: That is bizarre. What the fuck? Very. That's a weird redirect. Ooh. <clears throat> anyway, in other news, in, um, in, in, an Itali- in an Italian forest, a gang of feral hogs Consumed a stash of cocaine worth $22,000. I did not give you permission to tell this story about me and my friends. Thank you very much. (laughs) That had been left by a gang of suspected drug dealers. Police dismantled the smuggling operation in Tuscany after placing a wiretap on members of the gang, which consisted of three Albanians and an Italian. While listening in on the call, officials overheard a person in the gang complaining about the damage caused by the hogs. It was not immediately known what happened to the curious animals, but I'm betting they had a really fun night. Oh, yeah, honey. Oink, oink. $22,000 worth of cocaine. The suspects traded approximately 4.4 pounds of coke every month. Damn. Which netted the gang the equivalent of between $90 and $120 per gram. That's pretty cheap. An unknown number of boars allegedly dug up and destroyed the gang's packages and then dispersed the contents all over the woods. <laughs> mm-hmm. Those were some destructive pigs. They really went in. I mean, who knew that pigs even liked cocaine?
4: Yeah, it's not really, um, I think.
0: I mean, who, I, I'm surprised that animals would, would be attracted to cocaine. It's like so bitter. But anyway, um, apparently the impact of wild hogs uh, sparked a viral meme earlier this year on Twitter Um, Because there are currently more than 6 million feral hogs living in America that span 35 states. It's a real problem. They're apparently very, very destructive. I think we're going to end it there. How much time do we have left, J.D.? 30 seconds. We have 30 seconds. Okay. All right. Uh, all right so we're going to wind up this very strange episode of the Adam Sank <laughs> Show. I want to thank Dev Cuny, Ryan, and JB. Our uh, guest next week is uh, TBD. I don't know who the hell it is. But uh, download my comedy album. Go to my brand new website, adamsank.com. Ryan, we're going to miss you. See you next month. Have a wonderful oh, month. Thank you. Uh, I'll be back I'll next week you. with Simon Mathis and JB, of course. Of course. And, um, you know, do all the things. Follow the Facebook page. Do all the Subscribe things. to dnrstudios.com. <laughs> Uh, don't dig up any cocaine. And try not to put on diapers and do... Don't what? shit in your diaper yeah. and ask someone else to change it. Yeah.
4: Bye!
3: Uh, mine-